0: Hey guys, Brenna here. Just a heads up, we forgot to put a warning at the top of this episode since we are going to be talking about some graphic things not suitable for children. Yeah, I know, the topic is about game shows. Go figure. Anyways, on with the show. There are stories being told by people who are out of their minds. That's what we've always believed. Patrol, an edutainment podcast that brings to light ingenious, interesting, and sometimes unbelievable stories from history and mixes in creative storytelling. Every episode, we hope you learn at least four facts that you can use around the dinner table or at Macy's to astound your family, friends, or that pile of broken mannequins they keep in the back. The headlines are ear-catching, that can't be true, factoids, while the explanations show you just how real they are. Every week, there will be two little lies thrown into the mix to keep us on our toes and vigilant for the truth. My name is Brenna.
1: And I'm Michael.
0: And the topic this week is... Game shows? Yeah, good job. Yeah! Well, you win! Ding, 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 ding! Which store? Tell me what I've won! I'll tell you what you've won once they tell me what you've won! (laughs) (laughs) Um so welcome back everybody this will be our <laughs> comeback episode
1: we're back baby
0: yeah we got we got some real juicy juicy tales to tell you um
1: stories we have stories you know tell tales what we don't
0: okay anyways <laughs> I feel like that's okay nitpicking. Uh, While we were gone, we did get some really good feedback from some fans of the podcast, and we really appreciate that. (laughs) Thanks, Michael's mom. (laughs) And other folks. And other other folks. We had, like, maybe one other person. (laughs) Thanks, mailman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and so we're getting right back into it. Uh, Is there anything else you want to...
1: A man correctly predicted random patterns over 40 times in a row.
0: I'm guessing that means that, yes, we're done with the top of the morning shit. Okay.
1: Yeah, thanks everyone. Welcome back. (sighs) Newspaper symbol spotting is a gateway to gambling. American Idol was used as a cover-up.
0: Okay, the first one was...
1: A man correctly predicted random patterns over 40 times in a row.
0: So, I know what the game is for that, and it was actually, he followed, there's a specific pattern. They realized that the, it wasn't random at all. So, I think that one's a lie. Although, the second one, symbols in the newspapers, might be, you know what? (laughs) This is all together too much already. Sorry, guys, we have to start this again next week. I can't do it. (laughs) The
1: funny part is, I wrote this months ago. You
0: don't remember which one's a lie. I don't
1: remember which one's a lie. (laughs) I'm reading reading back through them real quick.
0: (laughs) Let's go with American Idol. Oh. Because you put it out so obvious, there's no way that that's not it.
1: American Idol was used as a cover-up. What do you know about the Fox TV show, Our Little Genius?
0: Nothing. I don't know anything about that.
1: Yeah, it never aired. And for good reason.
0: (laughs) Watch me just sit here and go, oh yeah, I used to watch that all the time. (laughs) (laughs)
1: so the premise was who wants to be a millionaire children's edition
0: oh kids love money
1: there's 10 questions and each answer earned earned the child between the ages of 6 and 12 an increasing amount of money two assists were available to the contestant phone an adult and ask a panel of experts at any point in the game the parents could stop the contestant from answering any more questions and the contestant would want any money accrued
0: I have a question.
1: Yes. What were
0: the ages again?
1: Eight to twelve. Six to twelve. Six, six to, to 12. twelve.
0: That's such a big age range, too. And so, basically, it wasn't... That the kid got to do the thing, but then the parents are the ones who are like, he's not going to answer anymore. He's going to take that money.
1: Yeah, Something yeah, like exactly. Or Because children can't give consent.
0: Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> keep going jimmy you i am not sending you the, to juilliard the farm's writing on this or i guess little juilliard i don't know they have a little kid Juilliard. isn't Juilliard of like art school i don't know
1: yeah this show was the brainchild of mark burnett who you might know from producing shows like shark tank survivor the apprentice so when he went to the fox executive seven days before the show was to air in january 2010 telling them to postpone it it raised a lot of eyebrows Burnett claimed that there was issues related to the show's integrity and that there were allegations that members of the production team had given a contestant and their parents subjects that would be asked about and even specific answers. With such little time between Burnett raising these issues and the projected air date, Fox had turned the season premiere of American Idol into a 90-minute cut in order to use the space that Our Little Geniuses left.
0: Oh. (laughs) Stupid.
1: But we're not done.
0: Oh, man, I was really hoping we were done.
1: In February 2010, the FCC had launched a formal investigation into the show to see if the integrity of the game had been soiled. So during your research, did the Communications Act of 1934 come up?
0: Communications Act of 1934,
1: no. So it's the the FCC rules uh, for game shows, basically. Uh, It states that it's illegal for for anyone to give, with the intent to deceive the viewing or listening public, a sentence that will affect the outcome of the, quote, purportedly bona fide contestant of intellectual knowledge or intellectual skill.
0: You know, it might have come up, but it doesn't, it's not associated with any of my stories. But Basically, I think
1: I, you can't be feeding you answers. You can't
0: fix things. Yeah, which, oh, I'm sure that never happened since 1934, ever.
1: The formal investigation came with a letter that had several claims on it. One of the more interesting ones was that a contestant was told about the British naming of musical notes. Do you know what 164th uh, note is in the British naming convention?
0: Oh, no, I don't know anything British.
1: Okay, well, uh, neither did the contestant.
0: Oh, fantastic.
1: Uh, For the record, it is a (laughs) hemi-demi-semi-quaver. A
0: A hemi-demi-semi-quaver? Yes. Hemi demi semi quaver? Of course, they probably use that in their everyday language All the time. too. Yeah. Everybody's talking about I'm sorry. 164th notes. <laughs> I'm sorry if
1: you're a musician or you're British.
0: <laughs> and I'm not. No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No one really knows where this ended up. The FCC does not comment on the existence or non-existence of investigations, and Fox has declined to comment on the scandal since February 2010. The show has never aired, and the only evidence it ever existed is a few promo reels that were used for marketing trailers in the run-up to the anticipated air date. Oh. So that one was true.
0: Yay, I knew it was, because you blatantly called it a cover-up, which means that it has to be true. (laughs) (laughs) Okay,
1: a man correctly predicted random patterns over 40 times in a row. Newspaper symbol spotting is a gateway to gambling.
0: Oh, it's definitely number two. It is gateway to gambling.
1: Newspaper symbol spotting is a gateway to gambling. So, what do you know about the Pembrokeshire murders?
0: They happen in Pembrokeshire.
1: Well, that's a start nailing it do you know do you know what day or i
0: don't remember which murders these are michael there's so many murders in the world
1: december 1985 siblings richard and helen thomas were killed four years later in june 1989 tourists peter and gwenda dixon were murdered these are known oh, as the pembrokeshire murders
0: yes okay I you know, know you talking. you
1: know about. the story you didn't know that
0: yes one.
1: Evidence and witness testimony was collected. A sketch made of the person of interest, but the cases went cold. In 1978, John Cooper has won the spot the ball promotion. This is technically not a form of gambling, but basically a newspaper would remove a ball from a photograph and readers would send in what position the ball was in and they could win money. And Cooper won quite a bit. He got a 4,000 pound car and 90,000 pounds, the equivalent of around half a million pounds today. He developed a gambling and drinking problem after his win. And when the money ran out, he turned to less legal means of acquiring money. Mostly robberies. Yep. In May of 1989, John Cooper appeared on the British game show Bullseye. It was just a run-of-the-mill dart and quiz game show. And it would have been unremarkable, except for this exchange between Cooper and the host, Jim Bowen. Jim, you've got an unusual hobby, John, haven't you? Uh, John Cooper. Oh, yes, the scuba diving, Cooper answered. Bowen, apparently it's the place to do it down there, Pembrokeshire, isn't it? Yes, we've got the coastline, we've got the deep water where you can swim over the mountains, and all sorts of things. So, to recap, the timeline is, 1985, Richard and Helen Thomas were killed. May 1989, John Cooper is on bullseye. June 1989, Peter and Gwenda Dixon were killed. So, let's focus in on Peter and Gwenda Dixon. It's the 29th of June, 1989. Peter and Gwenda Dixon were on holiday in Pembrokeshire and were taking their last walk along the coastal footpath when they failed to return. Their assailant had tied the couple up, demanded they hand out their bank card, and then forced them to disclose their personal identification number. Peter Dixon was robbed of 300 pounds, and the couple was shot in the face at point-blank range using a shotgun.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: The couple's bodies were found along the footpath.
0: How horrifying. In
1: 1996... John Cooper attacked five youngsters, threatened them with a gun, sexually assaulted one girl, and raped another. By 1998, Cooper had committed 30 burglaries and an armed robbery, and none of this was enough to tie, him, to tie him to the Pembrokeshire murders.
0: Oh my god.
1: It took until 2006 for the lead investigator of the case to find the bullseye exchange between Cooper and Bowen. The chief superintendent, Steve Wilkins, then went on to find a copy of the episode. The episode had revealed that Cooper knew the area around the murders, and more importantly, he was matched with one of the police sketches made. Now, Cooper had been the subject of interest after the second set of murders, so evidence was collected from around his house, but nothing was found and he was released. However, Steve Wilkins re-examined the evidence, and using new forensic techniques, found trace amounts of blood on some of his clothes. Cooper always claimed his innocence. However, in 2011, a jury convicted him of the murders of the siblings Richard and Helen Thomas in 1985, and Peter and Gwenda Dixon in 1989, among other separate charges of rape, sexual assault, and attempted robbery. He's currently serving a life sentence in, well, we don't really know. The prison he resides in has not been made public.
0: Wow.
1: And it all started out with winning the newspaper ball spotting. (sighs)
0: I mean, you can say that it's because he had an addiction to the money, but, you know, people who are willing to kill were going to probably do it anyways. That is insane and also really awful. And thank you for being such a downer when I thought it wasn't going to be that much of a downer. And then I realized you did that thing. I I was like, oh, just so you know, I know all the murders in game shows. <laughs> and he's like, oh, then I'll rewrite my story. No, he didn't. He just changed the no, headline. No, I
1: had to dump a complete...
0: You chit so
1: a complete story
0: yeah you, you were gonna do the dating one right yep. and then you swapped it out for the bullseye we'll get there. one <laughs> I, I'll, I'll
1: i'll i'll go i'll go through it after in our extras oh <laughs> so i believe you got this right this week
0: yeah because i'm pretty sure i know this one
1: yeah you probably do a man correctly predicted random patterns over 40 times in a row so what do you know about the tv show press your luck a nothing well, that's not true, because you know the story.
0: Well, yeah, but I don't know, like, it's not like I sat and watched it every Saturday morning.
1: <laughs> well, the show was only active for three years, ending in 1986.
0: I wasn't even born, Michael.
1: And that's my fault?
0: Probably. <laughs> there
1: has been a reboot that started in 2019, but we're just going to skip past that.
0: Nobody cares about that.
1: It's a trivia spinner game. Correct answers give you more spins on the wheel, which gives you control of the board. The board is a 6x5 rectangle each of which has one of three items in it. A, quote, randomizer changes what was in each space each time until a contestant used their buzzer to stop the randomizer. I keep using the word randomizer, but I don't think the producers at CBS knew what that meant. Enter Michael Larson. Larson was an ice cream man from Ohio.
0: As they always are.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He loved Press Your Luck. He began recording episodes on VCR as soon as the show was released in 1983. He noticed something peculiar, though. The randomizer wasn't actually all that random. He noticed that the board operated on one of five different sequences, and within each sequence acted the exact same. He he began playing at home, pausing his VCR to guess what each segment of the board would be for the next turn. Uh, I'll include... There's a couple of uh, pictures. Um, So, you should consult what the board looked like, and what the random box item was for the big board.
0: (laughs) Yeah, do your homework, people.
1: <laughs> it's in the show notes. Please please go look at them.
0: Please, I, for God's sakes, look at them.
1: <laughs> I just realized I wrote this as if you were looking at them with me. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs>
1: <clears throat> Larson noticed that squares 4 and 8, which are, they're like kitty corner kind of, always contained money and never a whammy. A whammy was a bankrupt item. Oh. In the second round, the 4 and 8 also had a spin-again item, which would allow the contestant to remain in control of the board for the entire game. Larson used pra- practically his entire life savings on a plane ticket to L.A. He auditioned to be on the show, but the contestant interviewer didn't like his motive for coming on. This was overruled by an executive producer who liked the storyline of small-town hero in need of cash. So he was let on the show, episode 4, June 1984.
0: Wait, was his motive, I just want money?
1: I figured out your game, probably.
0: Oh. No, I don't think that they would <laughs> let him on that way.
1: I don't know. I don't know what he pitched. <laughs> I
0: think, well, it's because they just say small town hero. Small uh, town
1: hero needs, needs cash. cash. Probably. Ice book. cream man.
0: I'm an ice cream man and, you know, I need cash. And, <laughs>
1: when, you know,
0: the thing about ice cream men, they're always heroes. So
1: When you're an ice cream man <laughs> and you need cash now.
0: <laughs> Go play on a game show you memorized. <laughs>
1: so the game began he didn't have much success in the first round he just wasn't doing well with the trivia and knowing where the board was going to go was of no help this round the extra spin was crucial to his strategy when the second round came he lit it up he had earned more spins than the other two contestants which allowed him to spin on the big board first he could finally play his strategy using the memorized patterns he kept aiming on spots four and eight Some of his early stops were slightly erratic, not landing on 4 and 8 intentionally, but he racked up over $10,000 regardless. After the first 10, he began exclusively landing on 4s and 8s. By the time he was done, he had spun over 40 times, accrued a little bit over $102,000. He passed his remaining spins to the other contestants. The next contestant spun a whammy immediately, and ended up spinning two more times, accruing $5,000. The last contestant picked up about $9,300 and then passed her last three spins to Larson. On his last spin, he hit number 17, which had a whammy, but Larson was able to avoid it. All said and done, he had $104,950 in cash and $5,287 in prizes, including a trip to the Caribbean he earned on his last spin. Sick. Funny enough, Press Your Luck had never had an episode go over 30 minutes, but because Larson was able to spin for so long, CBS decided to split the game over two days of airing.
0: I don't know what's going on. What do we do? I don't know. Just just keep letting him spin? Well, I don't know. This, this is going insane right now.
1: Of course, he was accused of cheating. The executive producer saw that Larson celebrated his spins before even knowing what the item in the box was. Additionally, he reacted differently during his first few turns of the second round than in any other spin. CBS refused to pay, but after going through the contract, there wasn't a clause that would have disqualified Larson's strategy. The network finally gave in and paid out the money. At the time, CBS had a $25,000 limit that if you won more than that, you would retire an undefeated champion. Larson was not asked back because of this rule. About a month later, the board was reprogrammed with five more sequences and another five more sequences a month after that. Eventually, there were 30 sequences that the board used ensuring that no one could re- reproduce the larson strategy
0: the larson strategy <laughs> one of the few times where uh it's the people who are thought to be cheating and not the show setting people up fixing it so that's that's cool Good job. Yeah, so. i'm glad they paid him
1: yeah well that's what you get for
0: having stupid system
1: random anyways congrats thanks hit me
0: number one Man charged with killing game show camera man. Number two, game show punishes contestants with teddy bear cuddles. Number three, charity game show charges 4000 a minute for ad time.
1: Read the first one again. That's not a headline. That's...
0: Man charged with killing game show cameraman crew.
1: Well, you say that as fact, so if that's all Oh, a... sorry.
0: Show camera man.
1: You say that as a fact. Mm. Okay, number two.
0: Game show punishes contestants with teddy bear cuddles. Mm,
1: That sounds so ridiculous.
0: (laughs) That sounds like the dumbest thing I ever heard.
1: (laughs) But I can't think of a a game show that would do that. And number three.
0: Charity game show charges $4,000 a minute for ad time.
1: That's pretty believable. But is the number right?
0: Mm. Oh, wait. Sorry, that is copyrighted.
1: Yeah. You're getting
0: Copy-wrote. straight to jail. <laughs> straight to jail. Do not pass go. Oh,
1: man. Uh, give me number two. Number two? Yes.
0: Game show punishes contestants with teddy bear cuddles.
1: It's too ridiculous to not be true.
0: It's too ridiculous. Okay. Michael, how long do you think you could stay awake for if you tried?
1: Oh, is it is it, is it this game? Uh, I don't know. Probably, like, if I really tried, you can probably get, like, maybe 36 hours out of me.
0: Okay. And how much harder do you think you would try if you're going to win 100,000 pounds or nearly 140,000 in current U.S. dollars?
1: 0% more.
0: It's <laughs> still only 36000 That's not... That is my top. And I probably, <laughs> even with money, I wouldn't try at all. <laughs> it, like a
1: car is more enticing than just a pile of cash.
0: Well, that's unfortunate. You could, you know, you can acquire vehicles with cash sometimes.
1: Yeah, but okay, let's look at it like this. That $104,000 after taxes isn't going to be $104,000. $140,000.
0: 140.
1: A car is still gonna be a car after taxes.
0: Even if you even if after taxes they took forty grand out, you still have a hundred thousand. Well
1: it depends on the car.
0: (laughs) Well, a British television series produced by Endemol, which has also brought us such quality content as Big Brother and Fear Factor, aimed to find out if ten strangers could stay awake for seven days straight and what it would look like to watch that. The two thousand four reality competition called Shattered used the Big Brother style of twenty four hour surveillance to not only catch any contestants dozing off, but also to give the audience a front row seat to what sleep deprivation looked like, which actually just looks like a lot of yawning.
1: <laughs> so, so it was real boring. I
0: didn't, I didn't watch any of the episodes. I watched some clips, but I didn't watch a whole episode because it was so boring. Did
1: they make this a whole series?
0: Uh, it was, it went a whole season. Oh yeah, like what? Well, like so. It was a, a whole week-long thing of these people.
1: Was it live?
0: But So it was just one thing.
1: Was uh, it Truman Show? No, it
0: wasn't Truman oh. Show. <laughs> I think they cut it down to fit for time slots, Michael. <laughs> they didn't have their own channel. <laughs> According to the rules, the person who stayed awake the longest would win the 100,000 pounds, but for every time they closed their eyes for more than 10 seconds, 1,000 pounds was taken away from the pot for that person. To keep the spirit of science alive in this otherwise dangerously gimmicky game, the contestants had to complete daily performance tests and challenges. The tests included memory tests, clock tests, and that thing where you read the names of colors, which are written in different colors, and try not to mess up, called the Stroop Test. So you know how the word blue is written in green, and you're not supposed to say green, you're supposed to read blue. (laughs)
1: Can we circle back on the thing you said before about losing money per closing your eyes? Yes. Can you repeat it? I have an idea.
0: Oh, yes. So, uh, so according to the rules, the person who stayed awake the longest would win the 100,000 pounds, but for every time they closed their eyes for more than 10 seconds, 1,000 pounds was taken away.
1: Why didn't they just close their eyes at the beginning and then just stay awake, and then all you lose is 1,000 pounds, and then you won't be dinged anymore? You just do all the tests blind. Did I just crack the code?
0: I have no clue what you're trying to say, and I think you're wrong. Okay, so... Just
1: close your eyes right at the beginning, and then you only only get dinged the one time.
0: No, every time you close... Oh, so you're just saying close your eyes... never open them back up. because it's technically sleeping. (laughs) 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 Okay, so for clarification, you close your eyes for nine seconds. No ding. Close your eyes for ten seconds, and then open them. One thousand pounds off. You close your eyes for 19 seconds. I think still only 1,000. But if you close your eyes for 20 seconds, that's 2,000 pounds off. It's every, it's every 10 seconds. Okay, actually, you know what? I don't think it's every 10 seconds. Yeah, it doesn't I think say every 10 seconds. Every time you close your eyes for more than 10 seconds. So if you close it for 9 seconds, then you're good. But 10 seconds, it dings. And then so basically you can keep your eyes closed after that, and I think you only lose the 1,000. Yeah, that's but what then I'm saying. You still have to be awake for the challenges. <laughs> well,
1: just really screw up on your app. at on, on the beginning. we're going to get to it,
0: Michael. <laughs> we're going to get to it because obviously the person who won had a system. Jesus.
1: Fine. Just... I'm just telling you my system.
0: Well, your system's stupid, too. Okay. And for the challenge, every day a contestant was voted by the others to endure a one-hour activity called the You Snooze, You Lose Challenge, which... If failed, would eliminate them from the game. So you had to go through this challenge for one hour, and if you fell asleep, you're done. And because this game is about trying to stay awake, yeah, one of the challenges is to cuddle a giant teddy bear for an hour. So, congrats. Thanks. Some other elimination round activities included a relaxing facial massage a bedtime story read on repeat by a grandmother cast specifically for her soothing voice, sitting in a comfy chair to watch paint dry and some others. Which one of those do you think would be your worst thing?
1: Um, like the story one could probably get me, but like it would have to be a very specific orator. I don't don't think, I don't think some old grandma could do it, but watching paint dry in a comfy chair would be very enticing.
0: (laughs) Of course, I think the absolute worst one, in my humble opinion, is the challenge of, get this, watching a lecture on Triangles that they had already watched earlier in the week. So you already <laughs> watched it, it's on Triangles, and I have to sit down and watch it again. Oh my god, I would, ugh, oh, that would be so hard for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, but that's easy. like, you can tone that out pretty easily.
0: Step aside, Unisom and Z equal triangle lectures will take it from here.
1: Triangles are the most interesting shape. Actually, that's probably not true. That it's is pri- not true. It's probably circles.
0: Circles are really cool. They got that whole pie thing.
1: But triangles are derived from circles, so it's like the same thing.
0: Prisms are cooler than triangles.
1: Well, prism's a 3D shape, not a 2D shape. Are we talking 2D shape? You just shape or- shapes. Are we talking 2D or 3D?
0: You- we weren't talking any specific Ds. <laughs> Nuts.
1: Deez nuts. Ah! You just deez nutted yourself.
0: <laughs> Anyways. Okay, so they could win 100,000 pounds if they never closed their eyes and would be docked 1,000 each time they did. How much money do you think the winner walked away with?
1: 69,000.
0: <laughs> hmm, nice. The winner of Shattered was a 19-year-old police cadet named Claire Southern, now Claire Farah, who stayed awake for 178 hours. And walked away with ninety-seven thousand pounds. Oh. Having incurred three sleeping penalties. Good for her. It one hundred and seventy eight hours. Oh my god, I would be I would be losing it.
1: Oof. Imagine being the intern that has to watch all the the, all the recordings to Oh that that was oh that was nine and a half seconds. Okay. Uh oh, that that one was eleven seconds. That's one tick.
0: No, you don't have an intern record doing the recordings. You have it's a watching, whole page show. Watching so you have the have all of the people constantly watching twenty four seven. Another contestant did not think Claire had played fair, not because she had penalties, since all of the remaining contestants had had illegal sleep, but he claimed that she was using pain to keep herself awake by forcing her feet to cramp, and drinking so much water that she always had to go to the bathroom.
1: Yeah, that's a good strat.
0: Yeah, it's a strategy, I think. <laughs> they even claimed that at the final challenge where the three remaining contestants were ordered to go into bed and the last one asleep would be called the winner, Claire hadn't used the bathroom beforehand like they had been instructed to. <laughs> so he was like, she didn't go to the bathroom and that's why she won, because she couldn't go to sleep with the full bladder. <laughs> Within 15 minutes of lying in bed, the other two contestants were asleep. But Feroz stayed awake for another two hours Jesus. until the camera crew saw her twitching and told her to go to sleep for fear that she was suffering a side effect of the sleep deprivation. In reality, she was trying to signal the crew that she needed to use the bathroom, which made sense. She had been laying there for two hours. <laughs> Fortunately, even if that was the case, there was nothing in the rules that said you couldn't use your own strategy to stay awake. Like, that's, that's just kind of brainy, I think. And later, according to a Guardian interview, Farras stated that she drank a lot of water due to her undiagnosed endometriosis, which could cause her to have bladder accidents and wanted to exert some control. So she didn't wet herself on national television. <laughs> so Nice cover. <laughs> who knows? That's a real serious thing, so if it was, you know, I I totally you know, I feel for that. <laughs> Even if it wasn't though, smart. <laughs> They're just mad they didn't come up with it. (laughs) Too tired, I guess. (laughs) So that's all well and good, but you're probably wondering how a show like that would even be able to be made in the first place considering all of the dangers of sleep deprivation, which has been known to be used as a method of torture. Well, Endemol employed an ethics board to review everything they intended to do on the show and what was going on with the contestant. Each participant spoke to a psychiatrist every 24 hours who would evaluate whether the contestant should continue. With at least one participant discontinuing the show in that manner. So there was at least one person that's like, yeah, I just can't do this. This. I would talk to the psychiatrist and they don't think this is a good idea.
1: Wait, so did the psychiatrist throw in the towel for him or did the person do it?
0: So what happens was they, they see the psychiatrist every 24 hours and then the psychiatrist evaluates how they're feeling what their signal and then they will talk to them about hey you know what this isn't very good for you so what it is is they're trying to convince them because you can't tell an adult to i think that's what it is so they you have to still get consent from them it's not like they're just like no i'm pulling them out of it
1: <laughs> wow that's a weird contract because i know if it was made now uh, it, a health professional would would be able to take them out of it if they they deemed them not not safe
0: probably well i mean like i think that's basically what it was i don't think somebody was going to argue against that <laughs>
1: uh-huh. but
0: i mean i guess people can be a lot crazier i feel like some of these people probably were told hey maybe you shouldn't do this and then we're like nah i'm good bro totally fine i <laughs> do this good. all the time
1: <laughs> just need a red bull <laughs> just...
0: <laughs> where are my five hour energies, five-hour energies unlike its older sibling big brother shattered would only run for the short span of a single series not intended for multiple seasons although it seems safe to say that a show like this could not be made today if you are curious or just can't sleep all of the episodes are available to watch on youtube sweet dreams because i imagine it will bore you to sleep was it bad it was so boring people one of the reasons why they didn't have it back was people were just like yeah cool um this is boring to watch (laughs) All right. Fun. So we are left with man charged with killing game show camera crew man, and charity game show charges four thousand a minute for ad time.
1: The first one's true, cause you can be charged without being guilty. I imagine that's happened before.
0: Michael Birdman lawyer at law. <laughs> I can't do it.
1: Well, bird law is <laughs> highly misunderstood.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> Man charged with killing game show camera man. Also, I realize this is kind of a short, like, super blunt headline. I could have made a little more zazzy, but I didn't. Because I struggle with headlines. Alright. A strange era of reality TV spanned from the mid-2000s to about 2014, where, if you were bored, you could click your remote to True TV and watch someone repossess a car. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know fantastic huh
1: <laughs> you know the premise of that show was so much better than it actually was i really thought it was going to be like cops but with like repo Michael,
0: people there's like five shows i know but, <laughs> yeah, I'll, but I'll, like yeah it's like, just like a live like... on the
1: street thing not a setup
0: <laughs> yeah like schtick. oh my god it's my my boyfriend's baby mama's girlfriend's sister-in-law whatever <laughs> okay so operation repo One such show began in 2007 at the height of the housing bubble and lasted through the 2008 crash, making a mockery of people's bad situations until 2014. But no year was bigger for repo shows than 2011, bringing us Lizard Lick towing, as well as South Beach towing, who focused on repo ride-alongs and made content out of the downtrodden also until 2014. How nice. Good for them. But 2011 also brought us a spin on the subject, a game show in the genre called repo games where contestants were people with leans out on their vehicles oh my god i am not gonna uh, this game is so messed up (laughs) and i have to say i found a lot of really messed up games there's a lot of really (laughs) messed up game shows out there (laughs) the episodes featured two repo men josh lewis and tom detone Usually go into people's houses, hooking up the vehicle in question to their tow truck, and then getting the owners to play a trivia game. Oh my god! If the owners answered the questions correctly, Repo Games paid off all outstanding debts on the vehicle. If right. they didn't, the car was towed. I remember
1: this. And for every correct answer, they would like lower the car like a little bit. And Every oh, wrong, and every like wrong a, answer, they, you... they raise it a little bit. How messed up!
0: <laughs> <laughs> Basically, if you're just poor, you'll probably get to keep your car. <laughs> if you're poor and uneducated your only means of transportation is probably going bye bye (laughs) but while most game shows are fun and usually don't cause people to pull guns on each other even if you want to Family Feud, I'm looking at you an episode of Repo Games which was shot in Vegas in April of 2011 and aired on July 12th of 2011 a local man did just that Las Vegas resident and middle school special education teacher Carlos Barron pulled a gun on the filming crew after they were parked outside of his house at nearly 10pm on a Monday night. Although the full story isn't clear, Barron became incensed at the crew, who was reportedly searching for the car they were supposed to be hooking up at the time, which was not Barron's. Three shots were fired, two believed by the police at the time to have been in the air and one to have been in the vehicle's direction. The crew then called the cops, which caused Baron to flee into his home and barricaded himself inside. He then attempted to escape out a back window and was apprehended. No one was hurt that night other than Baron himself, who was treated at a local hospital for minor injuries, making this story this week's lie.
1: What no He that's... didn't kill anybody. Yeah, no, but you read the headline again.
0: He attempted, okay, yeah, attempted okay. murder. He wasn't charged with murder because nobody died. It read wasn't that, read attempted! That, read, read the it was not! Man charged with killing game show camera crew, man! Oh, ugh. You just Stupid. rewrite everything. We're not playing Premiere, okay? You can't just rewrite everything in your head. Marilyn was charged with attempted murder with a deadly weapon, assault with a deadly weapon, and obstructing a police officer, but was acquitted of these charges in his 2014 trial. However, He was instead convicted of felony assault with a deadly weapon, carrying a concealed weapon, burglary, and misdemeanor discharging a firearm. This means whatever stories were told in court were not released to the public because I have no clue where the burglary charge came in. He's at his house. He burgled
1: his own house. Yeah,
0: I guess he burgled his own house. (laughs) But although Baron was a registered gun owner, supposedly the gun that was used was never found. Possibly leading to the concealed gun charge. Yeah, so he was even, he was a licensed to conceal carry and everything, but still, he got all these charges. So, whatever the story was, it's either we don't know about it or. Mm. Uh,
1: so, I'm going to go with that. That one's just inconclusive because maybe he was charged, he was just not convicted of.
0: Nobody died.
1: Well, that doesn't matter. You
0: can't be murdered if you didn't die,
1: you can still be charged with it. it just won't stick. <laughs>
0: or in certain states it could stick depending upon what you look like finish Um, up finish (laughs) up
1: the story
0: baron who was a former homeowners association president was sentenced to 90 days in jail and five years probation for the incident and although we don't know the whole story i have to say maybe if you didn't act hella sus in an unmarked van on a monday night you wouldn't have teachers pulling guns on you in the suburbs (laughs) Uh,
1: you say at least you, you say it like it's weird, but that I think it's just a Vegas thing. I think they're all kind of jumpy and waggy gunny.
0: Well, it did look like they were trying to steal a car, didn't it?
1: Well, yeah, but technically they were. <laughs>
0: Anyways, Repo Games, which had been airing on Spike TV, of course, was canceled the following year, leading to the shortest run of a Repo show yet. But they have a Facebook page with at least three people in the world wishing it would return. Oh, good. Yeah, checked in on that. All right, are you ready for a charity game show? Charges 4000 a minute for ad time? Yeah. All right. Have you ever wanted to watch a game show?
1: No, no one ever goes out <laughs> of their way to, like, turn on TV and be like, you know what, I could really go for a game show right now. No, you flip on the TV and Jeopardy's on, you're like, yeah, yeah, I'll watch this. That sounds good. That's that's how it works.
0: Okay, well, that was just a joke. Um, I'm so sorry I triggered you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, have you ever wanted to watch a game show that mixed the consumerism of The Price is Right, the audience participation of American Idol, and that horrible thing from Survivor where someone finds out their mom died while they were stranded on an island with Jeff Probst and then makes everyone feel bad and they let them win?
1: And then it didn't really happen?
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're looking at you, Johnny, dude. Johnny Johnny (laughs) Fairplay.
1: No, I have You've never, never wanted never. to watch that, but please continue.
0: Okay, well, there was a show like that. <laughs>
1: oh, you don't say. I
0: didn't pull that out of the air. I'm glad I wrote it like I thought that you thought I did. <laughs> now tell me, Michael, when do you think this show would have aired?
1: Ooh, uh, 2004.
0: Wow, so close. That's weird. I'm pretty sure I just heard you say... It started in 1945 on the radio and was on local oh. Los Angeles television in 1946 and then ran on NBC and ABC from 1956 to 1964. Wow, you really are good at this, Michael. <laughs> I
1: really thought you going to say, yeah, 2021.
0: <laughs> it's happening now. Turn on the TV. <laughs> You're on! Catch it
1: on Fox weekdays at 5 p.m.
0: (laughs) This is us just letting you know that we now have a sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) So, the show was initially called Queen for Today and was then changed to Queen for a Day. And it went a little something like this. Contestants were women who wouldn't compete against each other so much as quickly tell their saddest plight to host Jack Bailey and what monetary thing they could be given to remedy it. This could be anything from a new fridge to replace a broken one, or a wheelchair for their child. Some women were just surrounded by so much sorrow that they simply wanted a vacation. They had to keep their story short and sweet, however, so that the show premise didn't cut into the ad time, which easily made up three-quarters of the program by the late 50s when NBC had taken over. Realizing it was a hit, NBC extended the show from 30 minutes to 45 minutes to sell more ad space priced at $4,000 a minute or just under 40 dollars today. A minute. Anyways, once all the contestants shared their stories and we learned about a new powdered milk brand, how fast <laughs> X-Lax works, and how to make coffee, the contestants would all sit in a row. Bailey would then recap each woman's story and at the end of the story, the audience would clap. A meter on the bottom of your television screen would then have a needle bounce back and forth as if to be measuring the amount of clapping each woman got. When every woman had been clapped for, the host would quickly crown whomever received the loudest applause, indicating she was the saddest and most deserving of the contestants to receive a day as queen. Bailey would then quickly whisk the new queen away, models would place the crown and velvet cape over her shoulders, sit her in the throne, and hand her a bouquet of a dozen long stem roses where she was to then sit and have models pose around her with various other items she had just won. Although the queens had only asked for practical items at the height of the program's popularity, the women would also be showered with kitchen appliances and new tech gadgets sewing machines and and anything else they and their sponsors could throw at them
1: and a brand new car i'm not even
0: joking oh my god if you we should probably watch one of these just so you can see how absolutely ridiculous it is there's links to episodes they're on some of them are on youtube This also included pre-booked vacations, date nights, and even frozen dinners. So they had where they're like, oh, and here's, a uh, 20 meals already, and they're in the fridge that we just gave you, and it's gonna be shipped to your house, but hopefully you're not cooking Friday, because we booked you at this place Friday. It's insane, and all oh, while wow, he's yelling all these things, and this woman's showing him, like, a camera. You're also got this camera. Oh, you've got this. And these women are just, like, overwhelmed. <laughs> In a specific episode available on YouTube, the woman was so overwhelmed trying to keep herself from crying now that she knew her son was going to get the wheelchair she had promised him. She did not seem the least excited about her new camera, refrigerator, cookware, twenty five hundred in cash, or the two thousand credit for the Spiegel catalog, which is like this up and like high end clothing catalog from the time. For viewers, it was like watching a fairy tale come true five days a week. Watching someone so downtrodden be lifted up so high and shouted with so many gifts, and because of that, it is easy to see exactly why so many sponsors were willing to pay the high fee to have a model come out wearing nothing but a big cardboard box with a brand logo on it. It was literally just legs and a head sticking out of a cardboard box. Sticking out of so a corn. Xlax. Corn
1: pop spot. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> They would also have models wear clothing the queen would win, while another woman described the colors of the outfits to the at-home audience who were watching it in black and white. So they'd be like, and this is in chartreuse and blah, blah, blah. And this (laughs) is in
1: slightly lighter gray. Yeah,
0: exactly. With a slightly gray uh, undertone and maybe some gray around the uh, collar. Some gray around
1: the white. (laughs) Yeah.
0: If you two are feeling intrigued to watch poor housewives beg for bunk beds so their children don't all have to sleep in one bed, you may be dismayed to find out that most of the episodes have been destroyed. At the time, television companies took part in what is called wiping, where old tapes and recordings are either copied over to save money on supplies or destroyed to save space and storage. There are, however, 12 episodes in the UCLA Film and Television Archive, two kinescope episodes at the Library of Congress and a three disc DVD set printed in 2005 featuring seven original episodes and five rare footage episodes but you can watch a couple of episodes on YouTube which may honestly be enough for a lifetime if you really want to depress yourself go ahead and watch keeping in mind you'll never know if their lives got better and they're all probably gone now anyways (laughs) super downer
1: (laughs) so can you read the headline one more time or basically, what they what they, what would you spend on ad space?
0: So charity game show <laughs> charges four thousand a minute for ad time, which is now forty grand. About
1: yeah, but that's a that's a bargain. So for this year's Super Bowl, for a thirty second commercial, it's five point five million.
0: Yes, but this is five days a week. They extended it to a whole hour. That's for something that's supposed to be like, oh, we're helping these people. It's it's a lot. Of yeah, money. it's okay. They
1: they've extended the Super Bowl to like five hours. <laughs> did you have have anything do, have else they,
0: have they brought tom brady out and showed him his new fridge that he should probably be getting because of how much money they're spending on ads <laughs> or the no, ads are spending on them
1: <laughs> but honestly i'm surprised he doesn't have a fridge sponsor uh, <laughs> do you have anything else
0: uh i didn't write anything else but there was definitely like a couple um honorable mentions um, there was this show, I don't know what the title was anymore, I should have written it down, but they have this show about, um, it was kind of along the lines of, like, the Rebo show, except for it, you show up to the show, and two people, two contestants from the audience, or, audience are chosen, and they compete to see who's gonna win a new car but whoever wins the new car the other couple they get their or the other family gets their car squashed and then they get bus fare as <laughs> like their consolation prize they lose a car instead i think that didn't air very long but it looked insane it was called like wrecked or something <laughs> <laughs> sounds like it an any... sounds like
1: an mtv thing
0: <laughs> <clears throat> it was it was british british freaking game shows are off the hook with what they can get away with
1: <laughs> um all i have is the dating game one.
0: Oh, the the dating game murderer
1: so what do you know oh, about you the dating game
0: it? <sighs> the dating game oh there's three contestants and i don't get to see who they are and i ask them questions and at the end I choose which one I'm going to go on a date with. Yeah,
1: it's, that's exactly
0: it. Yes, I know. It's one man
1: asking three women or one woman asking three men.
0: Yes, I know.
1: The September 13th, 1978 game was like every game that had been played before. It started with host Jim Lang introducing the lucky bachelorette for the day, Cheryl Bradshaw. Okay, so, Brenna, I'm serving you dinner. What are you called? And what do you look like? Oh,
0: God. What am I called? Um, I have no clue. What's even a funny thing to say? Though what? What kind of a question is this? I'm called uh, Brenna, and and what's the 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 food? What am I eating?
1: I am serving you di- you for dinner. What are you called? And what do you look like?
0: Oh, you're serving me for dinner. Mm-hmm. Oh. A big old, big old slab of pork chop. And I look like a person. I look like a person who's okay. been shaped into a pork chop.
1: Well, that's wildly different than the answer contestant number one gave. Oh. I'm called the banana, and I look really good. Peel me. Cheryl ended up picking bachelor number one, a long-haired man, mid-thirties, whose name was... Rodney Alcala.
0: Can I just say how happy I am that the conclusion was that she didn't go on the date with him?
1: <laughs> Backstage, Cheryl got a bad vibe from Alcala and stated that she did not want to see him again.
0: Mm-hmm. Now,
1: Alcala had been convicted of raping an 8-year-old in 1972.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: He was paroled after three years, and by the time he was on the dating game, he had murdered four women. Tali Shapiro in 1968, Jill Barcombe and Giorgio Wixfred in 1977, and Charlotte Lamb only two months prior to the episode being filmed. Alcala had been upset by Cheryl's rejection, and authorities believe this is what sped up his murder spree. Between September 1978 and his arrest in July 1979, he killed another three women. Alcala was convicted of the murder of several women and a 12-year-old girl. But more macabre is that his kill count is actually unknown. Investigators have not been able to identify all the victims in the photo collection that they found in his house. Yep. Alcala's prison story is actually kind of interesting as well. Four years after his first conviction, he appealed the case and won a new trial. He was found guilty and sentenced to death again. In 2001, he appealed the second trial and won a third trial. This time, however, to make the charges stick, DNA evidence was used on jewelry that had been found in Alcala's house. The investigators thought that the jewelry was more than likely trophies of some of his victims. The DNA matched for the women he was originally convicted of. In 2010, he was sentenced to death a third time. As of now in early 2021, Alcala's sentence has been postponed indefinitely due to California's moratorium on capital punishment. He's currently serving time in Corcoran State Prison in California.
0: How many times do I have to keep telling you, old man?
1: Yeah, so I...
0: Three times convicted or uh, sentenced to death.
1: I I had to scrap that one because... You, you knew it. I don't oh even... yeah,
0: sorry for everybody out there who already listens to all the murder podcasts and knows about these things. I had to call him off of it because I already knew about him.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what headline I was going to use. But uh, yeah, that's all I had.
0: Yeah, game shows were a lot darker than I thought they were going to be.
1: Yeah, I thought it was going to be fun. It was not.
0: Well, what's <laughs> weird is usually you don't take the dark turn and you came out with...
1: Bangers.
0: My God, some horrible fucking people. Some horrible people. <laughs> sorry i'm still reeling a little bit <laughs> anyways thank you once again for listening to this our comeback episode and
1: buttons on your underwear and wear them there <laughs> thanks for listening my name is michael
0: my name is brenna bye you say have a good one oh. and i say bye
1: <laughs> okay have a good one
0: bye For show ideas, inaccuracies, or general comments, you can email us at thewidepatrol at gmail.com. Intro and outro music provided by The Simulation Hypothesis by Revolution Boyd, found on the Free Music Archive CCBY license. Thank you for listening. Huge mistake having snack time before (laughs) recording. Yeah,
1: probably. Come on, go to bed, pup.
0: Sierra, your your breath stinks. You are on fire. You're going to make me... Oh, my God. (laughs) What are your views on the topic? Into the mic. Brilliant. Just brilliant. Well, we're always, uh happy to have a fan of the pod on here
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh nope she just wanted pickles
0: She she just wants to sniff pickle bag